Celebrating an Anniversary I love you too, my dearest, I said, as I shook my head ruefully and clicked the cell phone off. I always forgot. Each year I told myself I'd remember the next time, and then I'd forget again. Until it became an accepted tradition for me to forget, and I just rejoiced in the surprise, guilt-free, every year. This saga started way back when I was a medical student. In med school, I soon discovered that 24 hours were woefully inadequate for a single day. I was always either hyper-alert or dead asleep. The learning curve was like the trajectory of a rocket. We worked around the clock, constantly studying, learning, observing, listening... We were always tired, always hungry, always sleep-deprived. We depended on our batchmates for life itself, yet the competition amongst us was cutthroat. The stress levels were stratospheric. And even though I lived at home, I was struggling. I just worked and ate and slept. And I commuted. On my two-wheeler, it took about 20 minutes between home and hospital in traffic but much less late at night or early morning when I usually made the journey. I was dashing home early one morning for a bath, a change of clothes, a feed and a quick nap if I could squeeze it in. I'd been on my feet since the last forever, in the same sticky clothes and all I'd eaten was the insipid pap at the hospital canteen and I'd passed exhaustion and fatigue and even beyond fatigue, hours ago. As I turned the corner in the pre-dawn murk, I saw him come off the curb, stepping off without bothering to check, safe in the presumption that no one else would be out at this ungodly hour. Black running shorts, orange t-shirt, orange day-glow sneakers, the leads from his headphones floating in the updraft as he powered off the pavement with his long, muscular stride. He never heard me coming. He never saw me coming. I saw him. But there was no way I could react in time. The moment I saw him, he was already in front of me. I can still feel that smack. Like a punch to my own body. I can still hear the hideous thwack and crunch. I can still see him flying through the air, twisting and tumbling as he went, black and orange, black and orange, landing on the unrelenting road, rolling twice over and coming to rest on his side with his limbs unnaturally splayed. I can still hear the screech of the two-wheeler as I brought it to a savage halt and the crazed shriek that rose out of me. As I became aware of that, My brain slipped into gear again. A shutter slammed down inside it. The screaming girl was gone. The med student was present. That's the only way I can describe it. I tossed aside the two-wheeler and ran to him like a mad person. Two joggers surfaced out of the gloom. I yelled for them to summon an ambulance as I skidded into a kneeling position beside him. I called to him, lying broken in the half-light, I'm a med student. I'm going to try to help you. 
I started checking him for vital signs. Breath, shallow and jagged. Two fingers groped for his carotid pulse. Shit, 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 I couldn't find one. Several simple fractures, blood everywhere, eyes unfocused. I'd done CPR on more dummies than I could count, but this was the first time I'd really needed to do it on a human. I rolled him carefully onto his back and checked his airway. No obstruction. Good. His chest, no broken ribs. Thank God. Tilted his head into position and started the chest compressions with both hands. His chest felt tight, tighter than any of the dummies we'd rehearsed on. I could hear one of the joggers talking to the ambulance team. How long? I asked him. He pumped his fingers at me twice. Ten minutes. I was singing, staying alive in my head. We'd been taught to pump the chest to that rhythm. Right hand on left, find the exact spot with the heel of my hand. Interlace the fingers, lock the elbows, kneel upright, pump, 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 tiring. Left hand on right, pump, 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 tiring. Switch again and again. I couldn't give up. I couldn't hand over. I'd caused this. I had to see it through. He was inert. We could hear the siren wailing long before the bloody thing appeared. They had him secured on a stretcher and into the ambulance in the cliched two shakes. They signaled a thumbs up at us. He was in safe hands now. One of the joggers blurted out, She's a med student. And the guy said, Well, she's had a good start because she likely saved his life. Did anyone see how it happened? The other two were just starting to say no when I croaked out. He stepped off the curb listening to his music. I hit him. The joggers snapped their heads towards me. The ambulance guy took a good hard look at my face under my helmet and his eyebrows shot up. Those earbuds have a lot to answer for. But you, young lady, have likely paid your dues. The double doors slammed shut and they were gone. Siren getting fainter and fainter as we three stood there in the growing light. The other two melted away without a word and I picked up my thrown-aside two-wheeler and limped home, nervously second-guessing every corner all the way. I won't get into the events of the next few days, mostly involving mental and physical collapse. A dark night and then a dark day, then a few more dark days and dark nights of the soul, with that broken young man's image never more than a blink away. The upshot of which was that I decided I had no right to aspire to doctorhood. I must give up medicine and try something else. It crushed me, but I couldn't see any other way. After days of sleeplessness, pacing and innumerable baths, fruitlessly trying to wash the blackness out of my mind, I fell into a stupor-like sleep that lasted over 24 hours. Ignoring my parents' entreaties and the unanswered messages and calls on my phone, I hauled myself back to the hospital. Better to get it over as soon as possible. I don't know how I was functional. My mind was completely fractured. 
It was now close to a week since I'd last been there. As I entered, I was told to report to the dean. I was ushered into his room and felt a nervous chill push through me. I waited till he looked up and then declared my decision to withdraw from the program. He asked me why, and I confessed everything in a great gush. The overwork, the exhaustion on the way home, the slow reaction, the excruciating result, and the unworthiness to put myself forward as a healer when I was actually a killer. What I discovered from him was that the ambulance had brought the victim here and that he was recovering well. The world span and I almost fell out of my chair. He'd survived. I'd never even considered the possibility. Not only had he survived, but he'd actually got off quite lightly. A few broken bones and quite a lot of blood, but by the time they'd got him to the ER, his lungs had been clear, his pulse stable, and it was routine. The ambulance guys said they'd inherited him in good condition because of the emergency aid he'd received, and one of them had identified me as the aid giver, though not, it seemed, as the accident causer. The dean had just learnt that from me. My eyes widened. I'd confessed at the scene. It turned out the victim and his family wanted to thank me, and the dean dispatched me to be thanked. I took my relief and my guilt in both hands and left. He was alive. It was incredible. He'd looked broken beyond repair. It was early, but a nurse took me along briskly and introduced me as the one who saved your life. His right arm and leg were in plaster, all hauled up on pulleys. His face was dark from unshaven stubble and purple with bruises, and there must have been many more bruises that I couldn't see. Mother and son's thanks were so profuse before I could even open my mouth that I felt like a complete fraud. I waited till they fell silent and then I confessed that I was the one who'd hit him in the first place and that I was consumed by the guilt. I was so relieved that he'd come out of it okay, but seeing him like this and knowing I'd caused it was twisting my innards. But he interrupted to say he'd already told his folks it was entirely his fault, that the rider had been blameless. It was his regular jogging route. It was very early, still dark. There was never any traffic. He'd been listening to music, too damned confident that he was alone. He'd not looked around the corner and whoever had hit him could never have seen him coming. He'd been unbelievably stupid and he was just bloody lucky to get off so lightly. He smiled ruefully at his mother and she wagged a finger menacingly at him, but she was smiling fondly through it all. As per the ambulance guys, he'd been given CPR on site by a med student. He indicated me with his left hand, and that had made the big difference. I was going to be great at saving lives. His mum patted my arm as she added her thanks for saving her son's life. He was an idiot, running blind and being a danger to himself and others, 
but he was her son and she valued him nevertheless idiot or otherwise they were joking it was simply too much to take in i thought i'd killed him he was clearly alive i considered myself guilty he declared me innocent i said it was my fault he insisted he was responsible i maintained i'd broken his arms and legs he claimed i'd saved his life i stumbled out of the room utterly bewildered the nurse informed me that the dean had summoned me back i don't want to hear any more whining nonsense about giving up medicine young miss you better go straight back to your class immediately you've indulged yourself quite enough as it is now get on with it he rapped at me when he could take the half minute away from his papers that was the drama bit the rest was quieter i visited him in his room fairly often during the time he was there when i could snatch a few minutes away from the studies i was back at we became friends and more than friends then more than more than friends perhaps i saved him but he saved me right back i went on to become a saver of lives as he'd predicted that day i've seen innumerable broken bodies put many together again successfully but had my fair share of failure too none affected me as hard as my brush with him perhaps i was too young but more likely he's too special he's the light of my life the song in my heart and the joy i look forward to at the end of each exhausting day and every year on a certain anniversary never indicating by word or gesture in the morning when we are together he unfailingly phones me at the hospital and catches me sometime somewhere to thank me yet again for saving his life and i thank him for saving mine